incarcerated and have come out, and then also those of us that go into the prisons. And so today we have a panel that have done exactly that. Some have been incarcerated, and then some go into the prisons to help. So what I want to do is just start on my left with Bob, Bob Coker, and I'm going to get him to uh, introduce himself briefly and talk about uh, how long you've been doing prison work. And we'll just kind of go all the way through to Clarence, and then I've got a series of questions it's like we did yesterday. Be thinking about questions that you would like to ask either those that are going in to minister to prison or those that have been incarcerated and coming out. We'll open, have an open mic toward the end. So, Bob? Bob Coker from Olive Branch, Mississippi. I've been in prison ministry about six years. The last three and a half years at the Whiteville Prison in Tennessee, teaching New Life Behavior Ministries. And I've been very blessed. I've been much more blessed than I have blessed others. Let me just, as we think about going through the introductions, answer this one question to what motivates you to go into prison ministry? My wife and I worship at the Goodman Oaks Church of Christ in South Haven. I was asked to teach Matthew chapter 25. That's probably all I need to tell you. And I said, whoa. Carolyn Harris. I'm the prison ministry secretary at Sycamore View Church of Christ. And uh, I, I got that job in August of 2003. And, um, you know, first, I was first motivated by Jesus, you know, and the teaching to go into prisons. Once you go into the prison, you all know, uh, then we just um, were motivated by the people there, the people we see and the people who respond to us, and I think that's done it for me. And I'm Gwen Coker, Bob's wife, and uh, my motivation, well, I've been in a ministry about three and a half years. Uh, pr prior to that, I assisted him some in the other work that he did, but prior to that, but I've been actually going on the inside for about three and a half years, and I really wanted to be his helpmate. I wanted to be that. And uh, just as Carolyn just said, once you go inside, once I went inside, you are hooked. I was hooked. I was hooked. And the, uh, and the blessing comes really from uh, the people, the men that we serve in there. Uh, they motivate me to want to keep coming back. Hi, my name is Vernon Perry. Um, I've been in prison ministry for, I don't know, four or five years now. Um, I was incarcerated um, off and on for like 10 years of my life, and I do this because um, people came in to help me, and I just like to spread the good news of Jesus and how it changed my life. My name is Pat Tia, and um, I am really not in prison ministry, um, but I'm here as the person that was incarcerated and that was served by prison ministry. Amen. I'm Clarence Montgomery. I was an inmate at the Whiteville Correctional Facility. I spent six and a half years there. I was released um, April 26th of this year. Um, 
the Lord opened my eyes, so now I want to be used by the Lord to open others' eyes. Amen. And Clarence, I want to start this line back. While you were in, in prison, those were there anybody from a church group, faith-based group, that visited you? And what, what were some things they did well? And what were some things that they didn't do well? Well, this, these particular people that I have in mind, uh, Sister Gwen and Brother Bob, they came in to visit us, and they, um, they, brought, they brought in a, a, a teaching lesson, New Life Ministries, and, and it was really a good thing. It, it taught me a lot, and, and by growing with these people, um, I feel that I'm, I'm able to go out, I'm able to speak, I'm able to spread the gospel even more because the setting, the classroom setting that Brother Coker and Sister Gwen brought to the prison, you know, it enables us to, to not just um, sit and answer questions, um, but we're able to participate, we're able to give devotionals, we, we're leading prayers, we're having open discussions of these things. And so those are some of the things that, that, that really helped me to, and strengthen me to continue and grow in the ministry. And they didn't do anything wrong. I mean, everything they did was right. <laughs> I'm not saying that because they're, they're my ride, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm actually saying that because I really feel that way. I really love these guys, and, and I appreciate them coming into the prison to take time out for guys like me and, 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 and to really love on us. They really showed us that they love us. And, you know, a person can say that they love you, but... Uh, it's the actions of what people are looking for. And, and it's a saying that was going around in prison, God don't want no mouth and lip service. He wants action. If you love him, Jesus even said, he said, man, if you, if, if you Luke 6, 46, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? So yeah. Jesus is asking us to show him that we love him. Amen? Now, Pat, if I, I don't... Pip had a long time, and if I remember right, and correct me, it seemed like there were not that many people that visited you in prison. Was that correct or not? There were not, and the people that did, they were, they were wonderful, and they came with right motivation. My motivation, however, wasn't so right. It was a way to keep from sitting in a cell. It was a way... To, to be able to get out. It was a way, there was a lady when I got released from prison, didn't know me from Adam, took me into in her home and took me to my next uh, situation in life. But my heart was not in it. It, was, it had really very little to do with the people that were there. It was about where I was at in, in my life. And I, and I had, you know, uh, it has been very relational with, with people that were very unlike me that brought me to the Lord, even on the outside. It's all about where a person's heart is at. You can reach out, you can reach out, you can reach out. But if they're not ready, you know, it, it's like, I don't remember. I'm not good as you are, honey, but I remember the Lord says, don't cast your pearls on swine, you know. That does not mean that you're doing a, a bad thing by going into the prisons, please do. But everybody's not ready. Just know that. Always go in knowing everybody's not ready. And prepare yourself for, for the fact that you're going to meet a Patia in there.
that's going to come out. And she's going to sit and she's going to amen in your class and she's going to be friendly and she's going to be able to tell you everything you want to hear. But she's not ready for what you're bringing with you. Vernon? Well, um, I really, I had two people come and visit me in my pretty much my whole different prison stay. Um, my last my last trip that I went to jail, I had a man. His name was Paul Davison. Um, he's a still a good friend of mine. He would come and uh, teach me life skills classes at first, and then um, became my friend. Um, and he visited me quite often in in Grenada, Mississippi. Um, when I was released from there. Um, he got me hooked up with another man at, at White Station, and that's how I ended up on this stage, basically, right now. It's a long story, but um, uh, after that, after I started White Station, I had another visitor, and unlikely, um, I was extradited back to, well, I, I voluntarily extradited myself <laughs> <laughs> to uh, Colorado, and I had to, to do some time that I had been avoiding. And um, uh, Dr. Everett Huppert came and visited me in Golden, Colorado. And now, well, and then when I got back, he hired me. And that was um, like six years ago, and then he hired me, and I'm still working at the Harding School of Theology. Okay. So Bob and Gwen and Carolyn, what, what, what have been, looking back, some of your best experiences, sometime when you just really felt like that God was really working through you, and then other times that you left and said, you know, boy, I just, that's not a good experience at all. Can you share any of those? I generally always pray before we go in, asking God to take control. And sometimes when it seems like the lesson went really well, I said, did I do that? No, I didn't really. Because God did it. But one of the wonderful things is seeing God change lives. We have seen that time and time again. We've seen guys come into our classes like this, wouldn't say a word, wouldn't make eye contact with you. They just wanted to get out of the cell, you know. And later, as the class goes, these classes we teach are 13-week classes, courses, and it takes 14 weeks to teach them. And maybe in the next class, they're doing a devotional. Whoa. Such a change in some of the guys. And of course, they compliment you and they tell and, But all of those things motivate you to keep doing this. And the guys keep telling you, don't stop doing this. We need this. Of course, we need them as much as they need us. Right? But we know, when and I know, that this is a good work. And like she mentioned before, it's also, we're a team. As a couple, we're a team. And that's a wonderful thing for us as well. I would say my experience is very similar um, to his. I would like to tell you that I'm thrilled every time 
it's my turn to go in jail, but I'm not. Sometimes it's like, you know, I really need to be in worship. Two weeks ago, it was not my turn. I was in worship, and I got called out because someone else couldn't go. And I, I'm embarrassed, but it's true that I was, um, I didn't have a real good attitude. But by the time I got there, once I got in there with them, those who come, you know, I thought, you know, I just had to ask for forgiveness. <laughs> I just thought, you know, uh, I'm ashamed that I uh, did not, was not anxious to come. But when we go, you all know this, you do the same thing. Once we go, uh, it's, we feel very much that that's where we should have been. Let me ask you real quick, Carolyn, to follow up. So, I mean, 13 years, oftentimes we hear in the conferences burnout is really high. There's not that many people that devote that. So what's kept you for 13 years? I guess it's just the people that I see. Um, we, we have had a lot of people come through the program and stop and understand that. It's hard to keep um, people, you know that. Um, I think that's it. I think it is that the ladies I see are looking for something and their lives are often um, Truly, on, in this earth, they may, might never be helped. They might, their lives may never get better than they are uh, because of education and you know why. Uh, but we have Jesus. And if we can share Jesus, then they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. Amen. Gwen, did you have anything you wanted to add to When you ask Bob about uh, uh, the things that are uh, that that are the most memorable things, I think that the most one of the most memorable things is there's a lot. Uh, is uh, one young man, or actually wasn't that young? I'm sure he's in his probably in his 40s or 50s, and uh, he was so reluctant. He was such a reluctant student that I wondered why he came, except for what Pat had said. It was at least something different to do. But uh, over the weeks, there was just a total transformation in this man's life. And uh, that was one of the most singular, rewarding things that I have ever experienced uh, in those three and a half years. He was so transformed. Uh, he even uh, wrote to us after he was, uh, he was sent to another uh, city for for parole, and uh, it was he wanted to stay in touch with us, and that was very very gratifying. He went from being so reluctant and not even meeting our eyes to telling us that he loved us every time he came to class, and I can't think of one thing that has been a negative, not one. That's great. I want to ask uh, Vernon and Pat and Clarence uh, this this question. Any of you can respond, but you know y'all are the teachers. You teach us that go into prison. What can you say that would help us to be most effective with people that you know in prison when you were there in prison? And share with us what's most effective. And then after this, I want to open it up 
and anyone raise their hand and I'll bring the mic to you and we'll ask questions. Um, I, would, I would say to, to just to be yourself, to be real, to um, not to over exaggerate or anything. It's, um, you don't have to go in and not be yourself, just to be yourself. And, and to teach what you know to teach and talk about what you know to talk about and don't act like you you know how it is to be um, you know locked up or whatever unless you've been you you sure said a mouthful and I think being authentic is, is the biggest thing don't come in there you don't know where I've been you don't understand what I'm going through you ain't walked that road I've walked don't try to let, make me think that you understand that. Accept me as I am and let me be where I'm at. You know, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman, right? He don't force himself on nobody. So that's the best thing that I can say to you is don't force yourself on nobody. I just want to add, for the volunteers, man, don't, don't give up. Uh, don't let the the situations that go on in the prison, like lockdowns or things of that sort, don't let it discourage you from coming out. Um, I've heard some volunteers say that, man, it, it, it kind of gets on my nerves that every time I come here, you guys are locked down, that we can't see you guys. You know, we, we, we look forward to seeing you guys because you encourage us. Then, let, then know that, that our thoughts and our prayers are continual, continually with you guys. Even though you might not be there in person, you're still on our hearts and you're still on our minds. We're still thinking about you guys. Don't be discouraged. Continue to come out. Continue to call when they're on the lockdowns. Continue to ask them, you know, is it, is it time yet? Can we come out? We're ready to see our guys, our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Because that's where we all are. We all have become a family. And if, if each part of, of God's body is doing what it's supposed to do, then the people that you guys are reaching in prison are continuing to reach the other guys back in the pod. And then it'll be so forth and so on. And then when guys leave, they'll reach their families. And I myself, I know even though I'm out of prison, some guys can, might not continue in the faith. But I continue to let my light shine so that men may see my good works and glorify God who is in heaven. So I want you guys to continue to do the same. Don't give up. Amen. 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 Good. Questions? Uh, we work primarily where we're from with uh, correspondence courses into the Texas prison system. And uh, I'm just wondering if any of you have ever dealt with that, and, and if so, what's your opinion of it in terms of... Are you talking about World Bible School? No. It's, no? Uh, it's some of the unbound work and, uh, and the new life. Okay. I've actually taken... Uh, maybe about 70 Bible correspondence courses. They helped, they helped me to grow. And they, they gave me something to look forward to. It wasn't just a certificate for me. It was knowing the word of God. Every time one came, I got excited. And right then and there, I didn't space it out at all. I would go ahead and do it, and then I put it back in the mail the same day, and then I have nothing to do. <laughs> but but they, they were exciting for me. They were a challenge. And a lot of guys, they try to open the Bible. But me, myself, I try to you know, let the Holy Spirit bring to my remembrance the things that all will be in me anyway, because Jesus said, let his words abide in us. 
So I want his word to abide in me, so I studied the word. So when these correspondence came from you guys, man, I, I wanted to challenge myself by doing them without opening the word of God. So yeah, keep them coming. I uh, also uh, took some correspondence courses. I did it so I'd have something to do. I'm just gonna, you know, I have to be honest. Uh, I There were seeds that were planted in me that might not otherwise have been planted hadn't these people come in and, and taught me these words and hadn't sent these uh, lessons to me. I may not have uh, learned the things that I did and it might not have softened my heart along the way, even though it took a lot of years. But, but I did, the seeds were planted, you know, in the word it tells us that one plants, one waters and another harvest. So uh, never be discouraged by the fact that you may not see the harvest. You put that, that seed out there. That uh, the, the thing is that they're good, they're great teaching tools, and and when you're in a cell, it's great to do, but you got to realize, especially if you're in a um, not necessarily a prison, maybe a, a pre-detainment system that um, um, that people use them for certificates, for just to do, just to take it to a judge, a parole officer, a probation officer, or something, say, look, I'm changing. And this is, is what's going on. My question is for those that used to be incarcerated. Um, at what moment, um, it, I guess you could say, did the seed sprout in your life, or did the light bulb turn on? Did you that you decided that you wanted to change? If you don't mind sharing it, I I don't mind sharing it all. It took a long time after my incarceration. I did uh, four years in the state penitentiary for women in Kentucky, and I went back out to my lifestyle. Uh, I was an addict for a lot of years, and uh, I traveled the country. And I could, I had a good talking game. I could tell people what they wanted to hear everywhere I went. So it took, people that weren't like me to pursue me. Because see, if you wasn't like me, I didn't want you around me. And I ran into this awesome little church that I'm a part of now and have been a part of for about seven years. And they pursued me. It, they pursued me into the darkness. I mean, they put themselves in danger multiple times pursuing me. And I couldn't understand it. I was like, what, what do you want? from me. <laughs> what do you want from me? Because I don't have anything to give you. And all they wanted was just to give me Jesus and, and share the love of Jesus with him. And they met me where I was at, and they let me stay there. For about two years, I would go to church every Sunday, and I, woo-wee, I might have got dropped off by the wrong person or picked up by the wrong person. It might have been up for some days when I went there. And they allowed me to keep coming into their church. And they told me that they loved me, a story, that, uh, something that I hadn't ever heard. And they not only told me, they showed me. And eventually, after two years, they was like, well, we love you, but we don't like what you're doing. And in all them years I had been out there in the streets, nobody had ever told me they didn't like what I was doing. And so it was... 
through them continuing to love me, it, it, I started changing on the inside. I was always good at cleaning up the outside so you would know that, that I wouldn't like you. But, but when the inside started changing, it was scary for me. It was scary for me. And, and I love the people in my church, and I love my church because they gave me the first Jesus I ever saw. Um, my, my experience was, a, um, a similar sort of, but, but I was locked up, um, cause when I, when I was last arrested, um, I went in and I was really, really sick. Um, I was, I was coming off a serious habit of opiates, uh, heroin addiction, and, and I, I was a mess. I mean, I was a mess and I was in lockdown. They didn't let me out for nothing. I was throwing things at folks and. And um, cussing, and you know, so finally, after I, I was somewhat a little better, um, they said if if I acted better, that they'd let me out to go to church. And um, and I thought, oh wow, that'd be cool. I can get out, and um, I, I can go in, and I can go get me some cigarettes, you know. And that was my only motivation at first when I first started church. And then it was a natural progression after that, but it, it took a long time, but that's just how it started. Well, I've been in and out of jail. Uh, I first got my first charge at age 11. And, and my family's been talking to me. They've been, neighbors have been talking to me ever since. Um, but it finally, the Lord finally opened my eyes November 17, 2008. And that, at that particular time, I finally, the Lord allowed me to see just where I was on my way to. Um, he allowed me to see face to face myself in the mirror. Uh, he gave me understanding of his word. I prayed day and night relentlessly uh, for, for, for weeks on end for him to, to show me what, the, what, what does this Bible means. And then when I opened the Old Testament, I started there. And, and then he brought me all the way through teaching me, teaching me his word. But then as I, as I was reading the Old Testament, I began to see my life through the children of Israel, the, the disobedience, the, the, the stiff-neckedness. I, I was them. And so when he opened my eyes, I knew then, man, that I found what I've been looking for. I, I thought I can get those things with the drugs and the alcohol, the, the uh, kicking it with the friends and all this stuff here, but I couldn't. I, I never got full. I, I was like a bottomless pit. The more, I, the more I got, the more I wanted. The more I got, the more I wanted. And then when I finally gave my life to Jesus, man, he feels all in all. He, he, that, that statement, that, that scripture is so true. He's filled me to, to the capacity, amen? He's filled me that I can't be full no more. And I dare not turn to the world because I know the world is an emptiness that never, that never gets filled. So November 17, 2008, my life became new. Amen. Uh, first, I want to thank you for your uh, transparency and your sharing, and I'm thankful for y'all's um, just being here today. Um, for, uh, for the ones that have been incarcerated, 
you know, my wife and I are kind of interested in the reentry process and stuff, and so I'm kind of curious from your perspective of reentry, you know, the things that helped you, or that maybe Clarence, uh, I, my understanding is you're, what you just came out April. Yeah. So you know, may, maybe it's fresher on your mind now, but. Um, so your experience, the things that helped, the things that didn't, the things that, you know, maybe there's a gap somewhere, um, if you could share that. Well, brother, I found out the first thing I needed to, to continue to do was to continue to keep Christ first, to continue to study his word, which I do faithfully, even though things might not be going right for me. But when I came out, I continued to keep him first. And, um, and my brothers and sisters in Christ that was coming to see me in the prison, they wrapped their arms around me. And, I, and it was then that God really showed me that there are some people out here who are willing to not only step up and help me, but some people who are willing to even listen to me. You know, because sometimes uh, uh, during the reentry process, things are not going right. And so uh, the way you plan for them to be. And, and so you need someone to talk to about that. You need someone, just, you need to just hear an encouraging word to tell you, brother, persevere, and maybe pat you on the shoulder. That contact right there sometimes is all a brother needs to keep going, to keep moving, not just in Christ Jesus, but to keep moving in this world to continue to, uh, to do the things that are, that are right in the, in the eyes of God. So one of the things I did was to uh, get with the Christian brothers and sisters when I came out, and um, and to try to find someone st somewhere stable, somewhere stable, because you don't want to be continuing with bouncing from here and there. You want to be in a stable environment. You want to be somewhere where there's no drug activities going on. You want to be somewhere where there's no gang violence or somebody's coming flashing wads of cash in, in your face telling you, come on, man, we got you, we got you. You know, you can get this back, you know. So, um, so the thing, the thing that we need to do is to find a person, a place, and a thing. A person who, who is going to be um, an encouragement and not going to try to pull you down. A place where you can lay your head, that's a stable environment. And, uh, and something to do would be, even in ministry, what we're doing right now, this is helping me. This is helping me, even because I'm fresh out. This is helping me. And so a thing to do would be to persevere in the word of God wherever you go, even, even while I'm filling out applications for jobs right now. I'm praising God and not only praising God, but I'm, I'm telling others about God. So God is even using me in that capacity. So continue to keep God first and everything else will fall in line, it, just like the scripture says. Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and, and his righteousness and all these other things, he's going to add them to you. Amen. For re-entry, I didn't have any re-entry. I was not one that came out on parole and had all of that. I knew that I wasn't ready to change when I got out of prison, so I served my time out. I didn't like people to tell me what I could do when I was in there, so I really didn't want them to tell me what I could do when I got out. <laughs> so, uh, but I do now mentor women that, that are coming out of the uh, the county system or the state system or whatever and and uh, the the first and and one of the most important things I heard Clarence say was stability because if you don't have somewhere stable to be 
that you don't have where you if you got to wonder where you're going to lay your head at or where you're going to eat at it it's going to take you back to what you know to do to get that so so uh first and foremost is stability upon reentry uh and whether that's with, with a Christian reentry or whether it's with a halfway house, a three-quarter house, if it's with a treatment center. A person coming out may not have dealt with their demons while they were in there. I did. I came right on out with mine. <laughs> Y'all think I'm a fool, don't you? But I'm telling you the truth. I came right on out just like I went in. Truthfully, I came out just like I went in, angry and, and mean and ready to give me some dope. That's, that's the way I came out because that's the way I went in. So, so you may have to, somebody that hasn't dealt with their demons that are going to come out upon reentry, and, and you, you find out what those demons are and you help them to address them. Um, my reentry experience, um, I, I failed on my reentry experience um, several, several times. And there is no doubt um, the answer to this question would be my home congregation and my friends at the White Station Church of Christ. And two of them are sitting right here, Vester Tinsley and Brent Mason, have been with me ever since I got out. And, and they are them and others, other men or the reason why I'm still out now. There's no doubt, I love you.